lives in how we put on a jacket and lives in how we treat people. Everything is Kung Fu. Take off the jacket. Try to be best, cause you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to take it. Try to be Welcome to Now Playing's The Karate Kid Retrospective Series. It's not tournament, it's for real. With the upcoming reboot starring Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan, Brock, Arnie, and Jacob will be looking back at all the Karate Kid movies, culminating in a weekend of release review of the new film. Look everyone, it's the Karate Kid. These podcasts will contain spoilers, and you can find a new podcast each week at nowplayingpodcast.com. Ask one more small request. And if you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. You're a pushy little bastard, ain't you? I like that. Today we're talking about The Karate Kid, starring Jackie Chan, Jaden Smith, Taraji P. Henson, and directed by Harold Zwart. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. This is Jacob from Los Angeles. This is Arnie, and I hung my jacket up this time, I swear. (laughs) You you know, I gotta say, one of the things that made me happy about this movie is that Freddy Fernandez is now an archetype. They carried the Freddy Fernandez character over to this remake. (laughs) I was wondering, is there going to be a a little Freddy Fernandez for Jaden Smith here? And we got him. (laughs) And he disappeared after the first, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, he did. Fantastic. Before we go any further and and let you know anything else about this movie, we want to give you a heads up. If you've downloaded us and have not seen this movie, the remake of The Karate Kid, thank you for downloading us. But I would suggest pressing stop now because... We are going to spoil this thing rotten as we discuss this brand new movie of The Karate Kid. You have been warned. Yeah, because nobody knows The Karate Kid's story. Do you need a spoiler <laughs> warning on a remake? Well, you know, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I was thinking maybe I should say we really don't need to do this, but it's tradition with this sort of thing in case people want to be completely surprised. But, you know, it, it can't hurt to throw it out there. If you don't want to ruin any of the small surprises that are in this different, then, you know, come back and listen to us in a little while. But... You're right. It's it's a very faithful adaptation of the story. I'm not even going to do a plot summary because if you've listened to our other podcast, you've heard my plot summary of The Karate Kid. We're going to discuss the differences in great detail as we go along, but you know the story. I, I mean, here it is. What if Karate Kid 1 took place in the setting of Karate Kid 2? There, there, There's the plot summary for the new remake. Yeah, pretty much. What's funny is this remake reminded me a little bit when I was watching it of Gus Van Sant's Psycho because so much in this movie is the same line for line the same at times and set up by set up the same. The movie starts with Dre saying goodbye to his friends back home, Detroit instead of Jersey, and his travel to his new home, China instead of California. And I couldn't believe that they went that close, saying goodbye to the friends and packing up the car. There were a lot of moments where I'm like, really? They they are just going to straight copy that from the first one. I mean, you know, we'll get into some of those moments later on. But yeah, I was really surprised how, I don't know if you want to say faithful or how much they just straight up copied. They, I saw they gave a story credit to Robert Mark Kamen, who was the writer of the first four movies, right? So it makes sense that he got the story credit because it's the exact same story. So why not just take the first one as a template and then change it as you need to? But the first one had so many great beats 
it, it works so well. Why not? If you're going to remake it, follow a lot of the similar beats. Well, you know, let's go off on this for a minute because I feel I need to. I know I need to. (laughs) Yeah. We've done a lot of remake podcasts here at Now Playing. And one of the things I believe is that if you do a remake or a reboot, you should take what worked about the previous installments, what's iconic about it. And really, though, I think you need to do something new with. It's a way of dropping baggage when you reboot. You know, it's like the Nutrafast for movie franchises. So I really feel like when you have a movie like this one, where the remake is so much the same that what little is added almost makes it not worth not seeing just the DVD. When it's that faithful, Gus Van Sant's Psycho, this one, it looks like it's happening with the upcoming Fright Night. Take what worked and make your own story. Don't remake the same story. And I really didn't think that's what this would be because he moves to China. I thought it would be totally different. No, it is so the same. I was surprised he didn't dress up in a shower costume at a dance. <laughs> I was waiting. For, that's the one scene they don't have that I was waiting for. But it's like, you know, I wasn't in on the Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, but it sounded like one of your guys' complaints, or at least some of the panelists' complaints, was that it was too much like the original Nightmare on Elm Street and that they didn't really bring anything new to it. And that's why I felt with this remake of The Karate Kid. Now, if you listen to our podcast about that first Karate Kid movie, it's it's pretty near perfect. And why take a near perfect movie and try to remake it? I mean, I think of Tim Burton when he tried to do Planet of the Apes. If you've seen that original Planet of the Apes, it's a near perfect movie. And so you got to bring something to the game if you're going to remake it. And here's my thing. They go off to China. Apparently, Dre's mom worked for the auto industry that went out of business, you know, in Detroit. They're, they're trying to tie some relevancy to current events here. So she goes off to China, I guess, for some reason. To work at the car industry there wasn't too clear. But here's the thing. You're going to go to China in 2010? Bring something relevant. I mean, China, everyone's predicting China to be the new superpower. I hear exactly what you're saying, Jacob. You're right because it struck me as so odd too because in Karate Kid 2, we have Daniel-san going to Okinawa, and there was a lot about him learning about Okinawan culture, and yeah, we talked on the podcast how we didn't understand a few of the things. We felt like the movie should have made some more things explicit but it did have in it the american view of that culture and here you know you deal with china and all the things i read in the news about the great firewall of china and the internet censorship and all of this yeah throw in a reference hey mom i can't access google throw something in yeah why didn't they do that they had like two things first of all that they have switches for their hot water on the shower and the second thing is that there's some kind of card for electricity that you know metered electricity they don't really go into it i kind of have to wikipedia what they were talking about about the electricity voucher card or something but i was so disappointed that yeah you go to red china and he never has a problem with the fact that he's now living in a communist dictatorship he just has a problem with a bully and here's what i was going to say you know people talk about after obama we have this post-racial world and and this very much struck me as this weird post-racial movie where african-americans don't mind people coming up and playing with their kinky hair you know <laughs> that that's just like that's a big deal you know african-americans i know you, you don't go up to them and go hey let me play with your hair it's different than mine but that's not a problem here like you said there's no mention of communist human rights violations hey there's the uh, stadium the olympics took place in neat yay china it's cool like it's this really weird 
whitewashed, Disney-esque view of everything that I kind of had a problem with. I'm right there with you. They needed to do more with it. That was disappointing. Again, if you're going to do a remake, but you're going to send them to China, have something more to it than the fact that everybody around them is Chinese. You need to put something more to the plot there, and they really didn't. And I was disappointed in it. What you're talking about, both of you, is absolutely dead on. It seemed to me that to get permission to film in China, it had to be like, China is good. China is great. Nothing's wrong with China at all. And we're going to show off all these cool things like the Forbidden City, like the Great Wall. This was a travelogue, like the old James Bond movies used to be, that gave people a chance to see a country you not really know much about. I don't know if audiences in general are honestly going to care as much as we do about the, the way China is, is portrayed here. Well, of course not, because if you watch this movie then you're going to think China's this magical wonderland where you can find people dangling from cliffs and dancing with snakes. You can drink <laughs> from the dragon's cauldron. And the single <laughs> fact is, you know, when I saw this movie, my theater was loaded with kids. And this is, Jacob, you said Disney. Yeah, this is a disney version. And walking out of this, you're not going to think about it. You've got to be that step above. You've got to actually be engaged with the real world and keep track of what's happening in the real world to know about this stuff and to realize... That an opportunity to make a statement and to make this film mean something more was missed. And so does it hurt the movie that it's a Disneyfied Epcot China? No, it doesn't hurt this movie at all. But, but it does make this a kid's movie. And that was Brock's perception of the first one, not having watched it for a while. Oh, this is a kid's movie. And then he saw it. No, this is an all ages movie, which is very right. different. Agreed. This is a kid's movie. Yeah, There's nothing here to appeal to me as a 30-year-old like there is with uh, Karate Kid. And the bully beating up on Dre, I was thinking also when he was getting in the middle of the girl and the, and the boy on the playground thing, something about, and I don't know if this is just a Japanese thing and a Chinese thing and maybe I'm naive on this, but the whole honor concept, I don't know how big honor is there. I think they talked about it a little bit in the movie. If he stepped in the middle there... Is that an honor issue like they talked about in Karate Kid 2? And why wasn't that brought up and all those sorts of issues as well? No, no. Honor is a big thing in Asian cultures in general. And I, I kind of wanted to have a problem with that. But you know what? This is a new generation. I mean, this the cast here is a bunch of 12-year-olds. Huh? So maybe th this is a new generation of, of Chinese that are more, maybe more Americanized. So I, I gave it some leeway. You know, when you get this dance scene to Lady Gaga, <laughs> you know, you watch old kung fu movies. There's never love stories because that, that's a very forbidden thing to talk about in Japanese and, and Chinese culture. So you watch their movies. The hero never gets the girl it, it's always there's a lot of repression going on so i was surprised you know they show a kiss here but i was willing to give it to that because maybe this is the rise of, of a new generation that's more accepting of these things so i sure. because i'm not an expert on the culture i i was willing to give it some of those things because it was a younger generation being focused on we're taking it from the teenagers and giving this movie to the tweens this is all about tweens in this movie and i thought this was too violent i, I watched the original karate kid and yeah, that's high school fighting, even if they're using karate. This, like Chang, who plays the Johnny character, that guy's a psychopath. He's a <laughs> Chairman Mao in training. <laughs> like, I thought this was way too violent for a kid's film. I'll, I'll be straight up. I don't have kids, but I, I was thinking if I had like a seven-year-old, I don't know. They're going to like hurt people. Yeah, I took karate lessons after I saw the first Karate Kid movie. You know, I didn't go out and like beat people till their legs were broken like this kid's doing. I thought this was too extreme because they brought the age group down in it. I'm going to take the opposite stance here. I don't think it was that bad of a thing. Were the fights violent? Yes. But you know what? These kids aren't 
eight, you know, they're 12, 13 years old. That's when the brutal fights started in my schools. That's when people were hospitalized after a fight. Is it brutal? Yeah. Do kids do this? Yeah. But, I, but here's the thing, Arnie. Yeah, 12-year-old kids do this. But if you're taking your five, six, seven-year-old, I think, you know, this is Lord of the Flies brutality going on here. Lord of the Flies, it has kids, but it's for adults. It's for an older audience or teenagers at least. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing. This I wouldn't take young children to this movie because of the violence. Um, I'm going to go right down the middle on this one, Jacob. Kids that in my theater were ages between 4 and 12. No one over 12. And not that I saw. It was all parents with 12 to 4. Okay, And what I saw was you know, when Chang beat up Dre, a lot booms and they flew backwards and they got beat up hard. But I saw a black eye. I didn't see blood coming out of noses or lips, which would have happened with those hits. I mean, that one time in the Halloween dance section, you know, they the beat up beating him up after the water scene. That was very brutal. The actual karate tournament was was very hard hits. I agree, but it's fantasy violence because there's no blood. Five-year-old children don't understand the concept of fantasy violence. Oh, I could pummel the crap out of this kid, and they're going to walk away looking fine. They might have to put some of their mom's makeup on to cover a little bruise. And I just think the violence was a little – because the actors were younger, they're in that 12, 13-year-old range, and they stepped the violence up in this film. And I just – I don't know. I I, I guess as I think about having kids, I've grown more sensitive to those kinds of things. You know, what would I show my children? Mm-hmm. And it's some. I, I think it's something that parents with younger children, I, I would say under ten, should consider if they're sensitive to that kind of thing. They should consider that before they take them to this film. I agree with you. I think the four, five, and sixes that were in the theater should not have seen the movie. But it's there's much worse out there that I've seen four, five, and six year olds go to see, like the Nightmare on Elm Street movie uh, a few <laughs> months ago. So you're both right. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. It, I mean, yeah, there was so little fighting in this. It was mostly running from fights or hiding when the bullies were in it. I mean, honestly, we're talking about fights that encompassed 10 minutes, 15 minutes of a two hour and 20 minute film. Yeah, which is a long yeah, movie. This too. movie went on way too long. And speaking of the similarities, I remember saying during the first Karate Kid podcast that I was surprised at the length no producer today would allow it to go two full <laughs> hours, two hours and 20 minutes on the remake. Some producer was editing and he heard me say that he's like, all right, we're making the director's cut now. Put it all in. Yeah, there, there was a lot that could have been trimmed out of this thing. Oh, this, totally. I, I was checking my watch over and over throughout this film. It just dragged. They're telling the exact same story, but somehow they have 20 extra minutes. And that blew my mind. Just like the remake of King Kong a few years ago when they had the same story, yet it's an hour and ten minutes longer than the original. The word you're looking for is indulgent. This movie there was so indulgent. And all right, let's start talking about the actors because the lead actor of this, Jaden Smith, Dre Parker. If you live under a rock, you don't know that Jaden Smith is the son of a certain Will Smith. Who, hmm executive produced this movie is it wrong that i prefer the actors who make their kids kind of earn it on their own versus the parents in hollywood who buy movies for their child did you have a problem with his i i had a problem with his acting in this i just i didn't think it was great i haven't seen you know i think he's in the pursuit of happiness i never saw that film i I didn't think okay that and that's what i've heard i this is the first time i've seen jaden smith in anything and I did not think he was that great. He, he seemed like a 12-year-old that had watched a bunch of Fresh Prince episodes and was trying to mimic Will Smith's attitude on that show. I'm coming right on the opposite is, yes, he definitely has the young Will Smith vibe. I miss that Will Smith, the Will Smith that went away when he made Ali. I miss 
fun, playful Will Smith. And it looks like that Jaden Smith may bring that type of swagger and persona back. He's like a young Will Smith. Does that work? I mean, Will Smith's never been a great actor. He was a performer who worked very well playing the same character in Bad Boys that he did in Independence Day that he did in Wild Wild West. So (laughs) I don't think that Jaden breaks that mold at all. I like that he was doing the Will Smith thing. I just didn't think he did it well. It seemed really forced and not natural. Arnie, can you please clarify a little bit? Did you like or dislike what he was doing in the movie? I liked what he was doing in the movie, but I don't think he's an actor who should go off and do theater. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I think he'll make a great movie star. Yeah, and I feel kind of weird about critiquing this kid very hard because the problem with his performance in this movie is not really his fault. It's that he lacks experience. And when I was watching him act against his mother and act against Jackie Chan, a few of those scenes, when it was more dramatic, I felt those two actors were really working hard against this kid and not getting a lot back from him in return. This movie says it perfectly for me. It says there's a big difference between doing nothing and standing still. There's a big difference between saying lines and acting. And when he worked, he worked great. He was doing a take. He did a joke. He said the line perfectly and got a big laugh and a rise from the audience. He was able to connect with a lot of people in my audience during those kinds of Will Smith kind of scenes. He absolutely did. But when it got to the more serious stuff, when he had that blowout with his mom about how I hate it here, it didn't pack the same punch it did when Machio did the same scene 25 years ago because, you know, Arnie was pretty hard on Machio as acting in the, in the first few movies. Well, there's a reason 24-year-olds play 18-year-olds. And this kid just isn't there yet. I think there's a lot of potential here. There really, really is. This kid, I think Arnie's dead on. This kid will be a movie star. There's no question about it. But I'm not going to give the kid a hard time about this lacking a little bit more experience. And this movie is going to help him get that experience. We might see some good stuff from this kid later on down the road. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And there were two scenes, and you mentioned one of them. The other one was when he realized putting the jacket on and taking the jacket off was teaching him kung fu. And the scene where he realizes, I'm doing kung fu. Ralph Macchio, we talked in that podcast, really sold that scene. And here I just kind of felt, Jaden, you know, you're doing the exact same scene. So how can you not be compared beat for beat against the original? Jaden Smith, you're no Ralph Macchio. Which is amazing. It's amazing you're saying that. You of all people, Arnie, you're saying that. But that said, when I compare Jaden to his Freddie Fernandez friend. Harry. (laughs) Or his friend back in Detroit who's like, here, Jaden. Just take the skateboard. I mean, that kid (laughs) reminded me of, like, the Phantom Menace. Come on, let's go play ball. I mean, those are how most kid actors are. Jaden Smith would blow Jake Lloyd away. I think we're all saying similar stuff here. He did a lot of scenes right. Remember, though, when he first did the kung fu thing, when I'm learning kung fu, when he bent down to pick the jacket up and Mr. Han kicked him over his head and Jaden went, whoa, That was a great moment. That was really fun. The audience cheered like, yeah, like it was really fun for me, too, because they were cheering because Jackie Chan finally kicked. We Uh, want more Jackie. (laughs) This movie needs more Jackie. That's what Jaden did right in this movie. Those kinds of moments he played very well. And I liked some of what he did there. And I just want to give him that kind of credit because he deserves that. That moment, for example, was one of the stronger ones for him. The thing is, I don't think that scene worked very well. He kept trying to have this look of surprise on his face. It (laughs) didn't work. But there are scenes of his that did work. And 
I liked the scene where he takes the girl out and they go to the arcade. And I like mm-hmm. the scene where I thought he actually did really well when he was watching the snake dancer. I thought that he was very good because there were no lines for him to say. It was all expression. I thought he pulled that off. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was funny. And his father's stink is all over this movie, for lack of a better term. But, you know, wow. it, it's it's so Will Smith just having his son do Will Smith. I'm surprised Will Smith didn't direct. I feel very sorry, actually, for Harold Zwart, who directed this, because I'm guessing Will Smith was back there pulling some puppet strings. Will Smith was doing the snake to Harold Zwart. So <laughs> I I think that there were scenes that he did well, but I just, in the scenes that really mattered like that and like the breakdown scene where Jackie Chan is having his breakdown over his dead wife and dead son. Jaden was no Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I just didn't buy it. Like when he has to give Jackie uh, sage advice during this breakdown, I, I, I'm not buying it from this 12 year old kid. But let's talk about Jackie because I thought Jackie Chan was great in this film. I got to come out with some personal bias. I'm a Jackie Uh-oh. Chan fan. I'm not such a fan that I've gone and seen like Drunken Master or, you know, some of the stuff that has, comes in like at the dollar store. You see it at Big Lots and it's a Jackie Chan movie. But I've seen most of his American stuff and everything from Rumble in the Bronx on the Rush Hours, Shanghai Nights. I like Jackie. I love his fighting style. I like his attitude, his presence and his humor. And Jackie Chan is the reason we're doing this whole podcast series. It's because I'm like, Jackie Chan is Mr. Miyagi? Oh, we're down. Jacob, Arnie's a big Jackie Chan fan. I assume you are, right? I am. You know, Arnie, I have seen Drunken Master. If you haven't seen Drunken Master, you need to see Drunken Master. And it's it's come out as The Legend of Drunken Master. It's actually Drunken Master 2. But I've, I've seen all his really obscure kung fu stuff. I've seen most of his American stuff. And... I think Jackie Chan's like this great modern clown. And I and I only mean that positively. He's a great physical actor. He's like Buster Keaton. He can do great physical comedy. And he ties it up with all these weird kung fu moves. You know, he, he's like the MacGyver of kung fu. You give him a, a toothpick and some chewing gum, and he'll have everyone beat with those two things while he's doing flips and stuff. I'd like you very much, Jacob, if you can, on the forums to post some Jackie Chan movies that we all should see to see some great Jackie Chan choreography because I'm like Arnie. I've only seen the American stuff, and I'd love to watch some serious, great Jackie Chan kung fu stuff. Yeah, not not a problem. What surprised me here, though, I've never really seen him in a dramatic role. He's never had one. I read an interview with him, and he said that the reason he was so excited about this is because he really wants to act and not just fight. And he jumped at this chance because this is the least fighting he's ever done in any of his roles, and he hopes that this will lead to more acting opportunities. Yeah, and I want to talk about his one fight scene because I thought it was great, but I saw the trailers for this movie, and I I felt positive – from the trailers I had saw, I, I didn't want to know a lot about it. I didn't read any reviews before I saw the movie. I wanted to go in pretty fresh. And I expected him to play his standard happy clown type role, you know, where he's fumbling and bumbling but doing really great choreography at the same time. This is not a comedic role at all. It, it's very serious. You know, he, he does make jokes here and there, but it's, it's like Pat Morita playing Mr. Miyagi. It, it's basically a very serious role, a character with a lot of baggage. We could talk about it. That worked for Mr. Han um, that Jackie Chan played. But I want to see Jackie play more dramatic roles. I was very impressed. He was the best part of this movie because, it's again, 
impossible not to compare it to Pat Morita because when we're introduced to Jackie Chan, we're introduced to him the exact same way we were introduced to Pat Morita, where Jaden's going to complain about some plumbing issue and ja- Mr. Han is who he is here, won't turn around and doesn't speak. And, you know, the only thing that was missing was the pan flute. But... <laughs> It's a very similar role, and yeah, to the down to the fact that this character has the pathos, and I really came to like Mr. Han in this movie, and it's easier to like him more than Miyagi, because Miyagi was a little gruff. Mr. Han sees a kid in trouble and doesn't resist helping too much. You know, he is right there, all right, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to help you. And he's, Well, wait a second, though. He didn't immediately do it. Just like Mr. Miyagi, he was hesitant. and I Yeah, didn't... he was more of a pushover, though, than Miyagi was. This was more Miyagi 3 than, than the original Miyagi. Exactly. When it comes to getting his way. <laughs> the thing is, he's like, I said, good idea for you, not me. I mean, this was the scene. The scene after Jackie saves Jaden, or after Miyagi saves Daniel-san, after Han saves Dre, where... Han is saying you should go talk to their teacher and you why don't you come with me this is where they just took Mr. Miyagi's literally line for line yeah but it really felt like they were doing this because they had to call back to some of those great Miyagi lines good idea for you not for me things like that it didn't feel right coming out of his mouth and the whole conversation they only took the memorable lines and so it happened all in 15 seconds no I won't go all right I'll go yeah, and that's what I'm talking about before about the chemistry between the actors and things. That is a great scene. To, it shows you that the chemistry between the, the first two actors in the original movie, how strong that was. And the two between Jaden and Jackie here, it wasn't as strong. But I did like Mr. Han. I thought Jackie Chan was the highlight of this movie. I thought he did a very good job under the circumstances. And I thought when he was on the screen, I wanted to watch. Yeah, and it was a slow uh... – you know, this whole movie is kind of a slow burn, but it was kind of, you know, getting me to come over to the Mr. Han character when he did that initial where he just kind of slightly turns his head to tell uh, Dre to get out of his uh, little shack. It, it wasn't as convincing for me as when it was Miyagi doing it in the original film. But slowly, he really comes around. And I think it's when he differentiates Mr. Han from Mr. Miyagi. That's when I really embraced Jackie Chan playing that character. Because at the beginning of this film, it's so much, you know, you guys said, he, he takes all the memorable lines and just repeats those. And you get this abbreviated version. And I was still skeptical at that point. But I, as slowly as Jackie Chan really made the role his own and he was able to to divert from what Marita did in the original films, that's when I really embraced him and thought he was a great, just a great dramatic actor in this film. Jacob, I can't agree with everything you said anymore. You said exactly how I felt. The more he became his own character, the more I liked him. I think once they started training too, I really liked it because Jackie Chan is training this guy and the way they're training, I think by the time we get to those scenes and we see him train Jaden, it's a lot of fun. And unfortunately, we don't get the same character arc for the lead character or it's convincing one anyway. With Mr. Han, I really enjoyed. How about that scene on the train? You know, when he when he's hesitant to put his hand on, this, on the kid's back. That was great. You know, he had those great moments and just gets better and better as the movie goes on. I want to talk about the one action scene that Jackie Chan gets here. He only gets, you know, the, this one scene to really show what he's known for, his kung fu, his acrobatics, whatever you want to call it. And that's when they basically copy the scene of Miyagi uh, fighting Johnny in the gang when they're dressed up as skeletons. Now, I was wondering if they were going to keep this scene in here because, okay, you have a bunch of 16, 17-year-olds beating each other up for an adult to step in and fight. That's one thing. Again, when you got these 12 and 13-year-olds, I'm like, how are they going to pull off Jackie Chan 
beating the crap out of 12 year olds. (laughs) I'm like, are they going to keep this scene in there? And I loved what they did. It's all hearkening to Karate Kid 2, where it's all about the defensive mode. And all he's doing is reflecting shots. I love how he uses the kids. You know, he'll duck. So one kid punches the other. He uses the jacket to tie them all up. I mean, I, I really liked that they didn't have Jackie Chan beating up little kids. I liked how they really thought about the choreography there and, and made it more about a defensive mode and the kids beating each other up and him just kind of dodging and leading them to, to do what he wanted them to do. But Jacob, you, you've seen more Jackie Chan movies than I have, and I know I have seen this Jackie Chan fight before. Well, he does this, he does this in every movie. <laughs> yeah, they're in it's every just a different movie. Object. Here, he, he, here he used a jacket. Sometimes he uses a mop. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's postage stamps, whatever. <laughs> I've seen him use the jacket before, though. It's what he's known for. So I, I, was, I was happy to see this throwback to the classic Chan, if you will. It was a great fight. It was action-packed. You've got some really awesome martial artists going at it here. And I'm not going to talk too much about the Chang character yet. We'll get to him. But that was a fantastic fight. And it was great to see Jackie cut loose because you know, if you're a Jackie fan, it's what you want to see. And you don't see him do anything like this ever again, ex- except for when he's like training. Every so often, he'll throw a punch here and there. But yeah, it, it was a great scene. It, it That scene right there is the highlight of... Of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. That, that I, was the first time I smiled during this movie was during that scene. And that's like an I, hour into it or something. I mean, it takes a while. To yeah, get there. it's it, that's the moment where the movie kicks in too. finally. It took too long to get there. And once we got there, then the movie finally got moving along. It sh- they should have cut, like you say, maybe 20 minutes of that first part. I agree with everything you guys are saying about the scene. It's lots of fun. The end of the scene was great. After he finished it, he's, he's walking towards the camera and he's tired. And he's huffing and puffing. And I thought that was really funny, a really great way to show us that he's not only older, but Jackie Chan is older. And he can't keep doing that stuff, folks. So give me a break. I thought that was kind of almost a nod or wink to the audience a little bit. What I loved about the scene was he reversed the energy and all the kids beat themselves up. What I didn't like is that they called it out. Because during the scene, we all noticed that he was doing that. We didn't need them to spell it out for us. But it's a minor, minor, minor complaint. I, I thought that was so much fun that that he had the kids beat up. Because Jacob, I had the same exact thought you did when the beat started coming. And I was like, how is he going to beat up kids? And then they had those two. They had like a 15 or a 16-year-old <laughs> Yeah, kid they did there, have a couple old, older kids to even Which was good. And I thought he was going to throw a punch at one of them. But he still kept it going and uh, not doing it. And uh, I agree with Arnie. It, it was my favorite scene in the whole movie. Brock, you mentioned how they had to call it out. And I think that's one of the another problem with this movie. It loses all the subtlety from the original. You know, we talked how about the, the original Karate Kid was all about Yoda and Luke. You know, that whole training thing. Yep. And you have the karate do or karate don't, karate try, you get squished. And we're like, oh, okay, that's totally like what Yoda was saying in Empire Strikes Back. Here they drop all the subtlety and you have Jaden Smith. Yo, you're like Yoda, and I'm like a Jedi. Like, they just have to straight call it out. I just wish he would have turned and go, no, I'm Han. (laughs) (laughs) Good one, Arnie. Nice. Well done. I completely agree with you, Jacob. The subtlety is gone from this movie. And part of that is because of the relationship that was built between Miyagi and Daniel's son. It's not as strong with Han and Dre. So that's part of the problem here. And it's just the movie we're seeing well let's talk about one of the big differences and that is the trainer miyagi slash hans dead child and wife and because it's a modern time and it's a much more kid-oriented film instead of doing something like an internment camp it was a car wreck and i hated this 
Yeah, instead of a pregnant child died during pregnancy, it was a 10-year-old kid, and Mr. Han was driving the car, and they were arguing, and the car goes off the road, and his wife and child die. And so every year, and this is some weird Sisyphus kind of problem, (laughs) where he, every year, I build the car, and then on June 8th, I beat the crap out of the car, and then I'll start fixing it again. Oh my god, that was so lame. I, I am appreciative that they tried to give Mr. Han the same thing and they tried to build the same father-son relationship between Han and Dre as they did between Miyagi and Daniel but it didn't work and part of the reason was it didn't feel as natural or as tragic I guess the internment camp plays on white guilt more than a car accident but here's the here's the other thing Arnie we talked about the, the multiple layers that the Karate Kid, the original one, had. You know, you have this this character who immigrates to a country that throws his family into a camp, and then he still go he, he goes and fights for that country. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on there to explore. Here, guy got angry at his wife. They're yelling at each other, and they got in an accident. The two passengers happened to die. I don't know. It just seems like they needed to have that emotional seen in here because the first one did but we can't do internment camps this is china which i don't know why they can't do internment camps that's kind of what china's known for um, <laughs> but it, it just it just seemed too forced and it, it, it kind of actually hurt me sympathizing with han like this guy's kind of responsible for killing his wife and kid yeah it was Whoa. an accident but he's losing his temper here but they never show me i mean has he already fought his demons where he's controlled his temper where he's not losing any again i i don't know like there's there's not enough there i think you guys are being <laughs> a little too flippant on losing your wife and child in a car accident i will agree with you 100 percent that the depth and the reason the scene was in the movie felt like they needed this for this emotional weight that just did not play as well or at all like it did in the first movie. But losing your wife and kid in a car accident is serious stuff. The problem in this movie is it didn't play that way. It felt like it was almost too much for, the, for Jackie Chan to, to bite off because of the way it was written or the way it was done. A car accident is a car accident. I think you said you blame Jackie Chan's – it was Jackie Chan's fault because they were in an argument – I, can, I don't agree with you. I think people get into fights and they get into car accidents and that's horrible and you can't I – mean, that person's racked with guilt for the rest of his life. The character did blame himself and that was seen throughout the movie. His character in this movie of being quiet and being reserved and, and not losing his temper and not really having any friends is because he doesn't want to be connected to anybody and all those kind of themes. We're expected to believe the car accident is, is why this character is the way he is and that's the way it's written but it didn't have the same weight at all. And that's the problem with the movie is that the car accident is supposed to tell us everything we need to know about Mr. Han and it just doesn't play. The other thing is that they have the car in the living room and we're supposed to sit there and wonder why is the car in the living room? We're waiting for it to get waxed on and waxed off. I never wondered once why the car was in the living room. It was a terrible hook. It was a terrible clue to the mystery of Han's pathos. At no point did I care about the car. In fact, I was annoyed. I'm like, he should be training this kid not worrying so much about the body work is i thought he was a handyman is he a, I, and i'm like Jaden's not gonna get his license in this movie do they start driving at 13 what's with Here, here's the thing here's what bugs me about it i understand you know what my, my wife wasn't in a car accident about a month ago and i remember i got this this just she just sent me a quick text hey i just got hit by a car and i was freaking out you know i i'm in panic mode now so i totally get you your wife dying in a car is no small deal Here's my problem. Hollywood, I mean, this is a big thing in comic books, especially in the 90s. If you wanted to give weight to a male character, 
you had their wife or their loved one raped or murdered in a very gruesome way. And it was shorthand for showing this tragic event. And it just became such an awful cliche. Gail Simone, who's a comic book writer, she came up with this term, women in refrigerators. Because if you wanted a, a male character to have some weight to them, you stuffed their wife dead into a refrigerator, which actually <laughs> happened in a comic. And that's how that cliche came about. But it's just lazy shorthand. And that's why I had a problem with it. Wife dying while in labor in an internment camp, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Wife died in a car accident because I was yelling at her and I, I lost control. To me, that's lazy shorthand. I agree completely. That's a better way to say it, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be unsympathetic to dead wives or children. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not trying to lose the car wreck death audience listenership. But <laughs> it's by the same token, it doesn't carry the weight. It really doesn't. And also, right. Jackie's drunkenness just doesn't work as well as Pat Morita's. I'm sorry, that's the he one was scene. He angry, scary drunk in this. Yeah. Like, he's smashing a car with a sledgehammer. I don't want my 12-year-old hanging out with that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, it just didn't work for me as well because, again, like Jacob said, it can be construed as his fault, but instead of guilt, it's anger. And instead of, you know, drunken trying to sublimate it and all of that, it was just, I'm going to sit behind the wheel of the same car. And it, the scene just didn't work for me as well, partially because of the method of the death of the wife and partially because of Jackie's acting and partially because of the resolution with the sticks. It's like, oh, I'm sorry you're drunk and crying. Here, let's go train Kung Fu more. And when Jaden pulls him out with the training sticks, I didn't think it worked. And I didn't believe that's the resolution to the scene so the two of them can be a pair. I know what the movie was telling me they were doing. I know what I was watching on the screen. But from what I just watched from that one scene, they didn't earn that ending to me. Where's the bow showing I respect you as a father? Exactly. That's what I want. Well, that's because we liked it so much in the first movie. That was just Because it works. It's good for storytelling. That's why I want it. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I think we're all saying the same thing in multiple ways and that we have to go through this movie is that somehow, as Arnie said before, it's very close to the original movie. And then somehow they, the decisions they made the change and what dis- changes they did make somehow took the soul out of this movie. And that's a shame because we all know this story is a good one and it's told averagely here. It's a shame that it keeps getting, I guess, watered down or, or, or just stripped of any sort of soul. I have to ask. Why didn't we get Wax On, Wax Off if they're doing the movie? Now, is it because it's not karate, it's kung fu? Or is it because they didn't want to use the cliche? Because picking up the jacket and putting down the jacket is not going to be repeated by kids on playgrounds for years to come. Well, look, they, they had to come up with something different. Uh, there's no, I did not expect them to do paint the fence and wax on, wax off. So they do the pick up the jacket thing. A couple things surprised me with pick up the jacket. One, that's like half this movie is Jaden Smith picking up <laughs> and dropping a jacket. Like, I didn't need 27 scenes of that. I agree. I like the fact that there was wax on, wax off, paint the fence, sand the floor. This was just jacket on, jacket off. Right. Well, but what I do like is once they revealed the hook that that's how he was getting him in the mode to do karate, that they kind of just dropped it and went, went straight into the training. I'm glad they didn't go, okay, now you're going to sand my car or something or, or wax my car. <laughs> I, I'm glad they kind of just dropped that gimmick. Because, I mean, unless you're, you're five or six or, or you, maybe if you're older and you just have no taste in great movies and haven't seen the original, uh, you, you already know that's coming. Right. You know, it ticks me off that they spent so much time showing it, but I'm glad they dropped it and moved on once the reveal came. Sure. Okay. So since we're talking about the characters, let's go through some of the minor characters pretty quickly. We've got Dre's mother, the walking black mother stereotype. 
Seriously, could I expected her to pull out the Schlitz malt liquor? That's what stereotypical she was. Oh no! No, but you complained, no. You, you complained with uh, the, the Karate Kid. One of the things you wanted to see the mom more. You liked the mom. Yeah. This mom, you got more of her, which I I kind of liked. I like that this mom was a bit tougher. She's like. You just threw your jack on the floor like she gives him that look, which I guess you could go into that stereotype. You know, I'm going to backhand you look. But then she kind of pushes it or or the screenplay pushes her too much where she becomes like this helicopter hovering mom where it's like, dude, give the kids some space. Like I like some of the scenes she's in, but then like they just put her in too many of them. I, I liked her. I liked the actress. I, I liked the actress did everything she possibly could with the script she was given, and she turned what could have been a with another actress. It could have been a horrible tragic role to have to have watch over and over again with so much that she's in the movie. I think she did a really good job. I think it was horrible. Her voice is like fingernails on chalkboards. Really, she, Ray? Well, I disagree. I yeah, disagree. exactly, Jacob. <laughs> Jay. And the other thing is with her, I never got a handle on her because if you're going to get a reload package to China, you've got to be pretty high up. But yet it always seems like they can't ma- rub two nickels together. And she doesn't seem like a VP of GM or something that would get transferred <laughs> to that kind of job. That's all no. I'm saying. She felt more like line worker and they don't pay reload to in international companies for that. Yeah. And it's, it's an underwritten character. I think she added more. To what could have been a very boring world. What did she add? Explain that to me. I saw the actress working hard to show that she's a caring mother. She doesn't necessarily understand why her son is having so much trouble there in China, but she is doing the best she can with the situation she's doing. I, I got little stuff like that. I'm not saying she blew me away, Arnie. I'm just saying I like what she did with the role she was given. It's an underwritten role, and she was I, in it too much. It, it, which is what I said. I, I like that she was in it more, but then they put her in it too much, and they crossed that boundary. Yeah. Here's the thing is with the other mother in the first movie, the problem was it's not that I necessarily wanted more of her scenes or anything. It's that they dropped her halfway through the movie and then she shows up just again for the final fight. But you just stopped seeing her here. The problem was the movie goes on for an hour and it's just the two of them before Mr. Han gets involved. And then the mother isn't dropped. You know, if they could have cut down some of those other scenes, I liked it when they all went to the fair together. That was see, I didn't like that. I'm like, why is she? Becoming friends with Mr. Han. You know, they don't become friends. That's that's not the story. I just well, thought she's that trying was to thank him. <laughs> she's trying to thank him for helping out with her son. Yeah. I, I thought, are they going to go into a love story with these two now or something? I, I, I thought they were going to go in a very dark place. I was afraid of that too, honestly. I was afraid of that romance, but they didn't. And I thought it was a natural way to integrate the mother into the story. You know, it, although it is the equivalent, scene for scene, of Daniel's mom driving Daniel on the date. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And let's talk about Dre's girlfriend, Mei Ying. Mm -hmm. I thought she was really good. I liked that they integrated some of the things like, you know, how driven her family was that she needs to be this classical violinist and how, you know, it's a simple fact that in other countries, a lot of people are driven a lot harder for greatness than we are here in America. Arnie, did did you ever watch King of the Hill? No. Okay. There's this Laotian family, and they have the daughter that they're pushing to become the great violinist. And that's all I could think of. Like, (laughs) it's such an Asian stereotype that we're going to push our child to be this great violinist because every Asian kid apparently learns to play the violin at three. And that kind of bug. I liked the, the actress. I, I didn't like kind of the roles they put her in, but I, I thought she did a pretty good job. What did you think of that dance scene, though, to Lady Gaga? Like, again, I don't have kids, but it seemed a little too sexualized. Like when when Jane Smith kind of like 
breathes real heavy after seeing her dance. Like it was really sexual. And I don't know if that's the right place to go with the 12 year old. I agree with you, Jacob. I was watching that and I was a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, really? She's dancing like a stripper. And I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I felt uncomfortable during that dance scene. I absolutely did. Also, I'm really dance-tarted because I'm watching that scene and I can't tell if she's supposed to be dancing well or poorly. I agree. She was about to say that. It's like I didn't really he was really blown away to that. I'm like, well, some of that was okay, but some of that really wasn't that good at all. But I liked the scene and I liked the actress, and I, I agree with you both. I think she was, you know, again, in the role she was given and the way what the script had her do. Because the Allie role is the role that really got diminished. And of all of this remake, they, they took out Allie and put in more mom. Because we all love the relationship between Allie and Daniel. But, of course, they're 12. You know? And, so yeah, and it, that's it, the problem. You can't, you can't right. really go where they did exactly uh, with, that, with that first one. And, and I, don't, you know, I feel like people might think I'm a hypocrite because I talked about how I love that they snuck like this joint into the first Karate Kid movie. And I love subversive stuff like that when it's – you know, at 17, yeah, or 16, yeah, you are smoking joints. And I think that there's an age where, as a viewer, mentally, you could understand that and, and, and go with that. When you're casting this with, like, 12-year-old kids, though, I think you just got to be more careful. And you're right. It's a different movie, and therefore, with, with what they're doing and the age group they're doing it for, even though it's called A Karate Kid and a lot of the same story beats are going on, it's a different movie. It's uncomfortable when you have a 12-year-old girl dance like that in a room full of kids and their parents. It could have been worse, though. I think we all could agree it could have been worse if she went for it completely. I liked the relationship between the two of them, though, because, Jacob, you know, you said you weren't comfortable with the fights with the kids this young. But it was around the age of 12 that I first started dating and things. And it's all very chaste and very sweet. You know, I would have been uncomfortable with it if Jaden had been a little bit more Will Smith, who his entire career, because, you know, he's a rapper. He always kind of plays the dog, you know, for lack of a better term that I can come up with off the spur of the moment. But they kept it very chaste and very sweet. And it worked for me. If this would have gone into the realm of 13, you would have uh, <laughs> been uncomfortable then. I don't know if you've seen me, but nice. I have. <laughs> didn't, you guys, okay. didn't you guys feel uncomfortable during that kissing scene? You knew this kiss was coming. The button on it, the joke part was fun. But didn't you feel uncomfortable when Jaden started slowly going in? The girl started going in. I was literally squirming in my seat when I when that was starting to happen. I thought it was a chaste kiss, though. I mean, it, it was only slightly more than when you get my girl and whatever her name is, Pex, whatever his name is. And it comes to you. Macaulay Culkin. Thank you. When they do their quick peck, it was it was something similar to that. You know, it was a kiss. If he'd like snuck his hand up her shirt, yeah, I'd be uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, <no>. But <laughs> this, it, it seemed forced to me, but it yeah, wasn't totally the sucking did. face of of the first Karate Kid movie when Machio and Shu go <laughs> at it. True. Which I, I didn't, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I mean, it seemed like a twelve year old kiss. It did. I thought it was sweet. You know, but I think it worked better in My Girl, though. In that movie, My Girl is already referenced, and we can talk about that some other time in our no, My we Girl won't. Retrospective podcast <laughs> no, we series. will not. It worked so much better in that. Uh, here, it felt uncomfortable. But yeah, you're right. It was harmless enough, and the button on it was great with the shadow thing. I thought that was cute. I, I, I laughed. Now, my favorite minor character of the whole movie is Chang. Otherwise, his American name is Johnny. Yes. Okay. That kid, I, I can't pronounce his name, Zenwi Wang. He is like going to be the next martial artist. He, this kid is phenomenal. The only parallel I even have is somebody you guys probably have never even heard of, Ernie Reyes Jr. Of course. Are you kidding? He's Donatello in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right. I'm surprised you know it. Yes. <laughs> 
he was a little kid who's the son of a stuntman and he's gone on to he's not a huge action star now but as you mentioned i saw him as a kid in the last dragon and in a teenager in teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 and every so often like i'll be watching india jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull and somebody will be out there doing some ninja moves and i'm like hey it's ernie reyes jr i think that that's gonna be chang's future although i expect perhaps he'll go more jet lee starring than ernie reyes did i thought he was great i mean it's a two-note character but i think he did great and he played the part perfectly and his kung fu was awesome oh yeah the kung fu was just oh my lord that kid he's doing moves that are like he could kill anyone i would have liked to have seen him fight jackie chan for real (laughs) (laughs) yeah Artie, you you complained with the first one it seemed kind of amateur hour when it came to the martial arts and you could tell when they got the stuntmen in there they stepped up the choreography in here that's the good and bad of remakes these days is they are much slicker prettier looking sometimes they lose the soul of the originals but yeah the choreography with the, you know, not just Chang, but especially Chang, but but all the martial arts in here is much better than the original. Well, I'm sorry, but when Dre gets his one punch in on Chang in the early fight and Chang goes back and then he like does the handspring back up. Oh, I yeah. was like, holy crap. I, I was my jaw hit the ground that this kid can do that move. I agree, and I think that was also great exposition for the how good this kid is at kung fu. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, the act, he doesn't act much at all, and honestly, I can't tell when somebody's not speaking English how well they're acting. I don't <laughs> know how they're in, they should inflect or anything. So, but I thought this kid really played the Johnny role well. But his fighting was so phenomenal. But Jacob, you mentioned how the first one was Amateur Hour. Did either of you pick up that this movie totally cheats because Jaden Smith is not that good at kung? Fu and Jaden Smith could never hold his own against Chang. And so they went to the shaky cam whenever Jaden was fighting. And it's like the steady cam from ER and the camera shaking all over. So you're not able to really tell that Jaden knows like three moves. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he, he, I don't know who they got to, to be his villain. But when you, even you do see Jaden doing Kung Fu, it, it's obviously, dude, there's no way this kid learned that in the month or two he had. I don't think he had much of a fill-in because I understand he's still training with Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan's trainer. Okay. He did a lot of training. Man, to be Will Smith's kid, Dad, I want to take karate lessons. All right, let me call Jackie up. Yeah, that's pretty much (laughs) how it goes. Yeah. I didn't see him have a lot of stand-ins either, and it's clear that the other kid knew Kung Fu much better than Jaden Smith did. But I think Jaden Smith sold it the best he could. I didn't feel he was horrible, Arnie. Actually, I was impressed with what he was doing. The big problem I'm having with the character, as you said, Jacob, that... Dre didn't take lessons at the YMCA. Is that what you're going to say? Well, no. It's just that (laughs) I got the impression from the big shot of the Kung Fu school with all those kids in red, which was an awesome visual, and then they go inside, all the kids are in black and all that. I got the impression that these kids were learning Kung Fu from a very, 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 very young age. Oh, yeah. And and then Jaden Smith comes in and does it two months. It's a difference – uh, maybe And maybe Johnny and the Cobra Kai were learning since they were six, too. But it seemed to me that it's a little more intense training out there in China from what I was seeing in this movie that for Jaden to catch up that quickly. He was doing moves in the tournament that I don't know how he did them. Didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. They're much more complicated than taking much, off your coats. Right. <laughs> Right. So obviously, you know, it's it's a movie and we're taking it literally, but Brock, there was a montage. Yes, I know. I watched that, that's it. all you need <laughs> is a montage. But you know, Rocky Balboa is not doing those kind of awesome 
awesome moves <laughs> in the boxing ring. Montages can be only be so powerful, Arnie. And I, I think that but this was a 21st century montage. Oh, okay. Then that has to be it. All my point is very valid in my mind that there's a point that yes, it's a movie and we're going to go along with it. But these kids are training since practically birth, and this kid caught up in two months didn't seem as believable as it does in the original movie because of whatever reason i just felt the cultural thing has to be in there somewhere dre is a very quick learner apparently and we're gonna go with that to have an awesome ending to this movie and i honestly i was really hoping that it might diverge and that dre might go the rocky one route and not win the championship at a certain point and when it not when the championship started but when they were getting there and i was seeing some of these other moves and what was with the mohawk kid (laughs) <laughs> is Goku from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time. They do the little bow beforehand, and instead of bowing, he strokes his own hair. I thought Guile from Street Fighter is what I thought. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was think like, he was a nod to anime, though. I, I kind of like that. I leaned over to my wife during that, and I just said, I think the Mohawk kid's going to win. <laughs> That would have been a great ending. It'd be great if neither side made it to the final fight. <laughs> We're both knocked out in the quarterfinals. Mohawk <laughs> wins the trophy. I thought when Mohawk lost, his Mohawk would fall. <laughs> all it did is make me think of the A-Team in the next theater, which I couldn't stop thinking of because the explosions were literally coming through the wall <laughs> during some of the silent scenes of Karate Kid. Jaden would be doing push-ups and boom! <laughs> I think we should talk about the Crease character. What crease? Or, I, there is no crease character in here. There you it go. Bugs it bugged the hell out of me. Thank Where's my villain? There is crease. There's the trainer. He even says no mercies. But he has no personality in this. He's not iconic like crease is. Exactly. And that's my problem. Yeah. And, you know, did you guys get the impression that during the course of the movie, the way Jackie and the and the crease character were looking at each other, I thought they were going to end the movie. Like the, we talked about how they cut the end of the movie out and they, or they were, has it in the script and they did it at the beginning of Karate Kid 2, that scene between the, the two trainers facing off. I thought they were going to do it at the end of the movie. I thought they were setting You know up what? I, I knew they wouldn't. And let me tell you why. Because it would totally undercut any Kung Fu Jaden did to end the movie with two Kung Fu masters going at it. I mean, you don't end the movie, which is supposed to be Jaden's movie, by giving us the fight we all really want in the back of our minds. You're right. But I, I it crossed my mind. That they might do this because it just seemed that they were setting us up for something. But you're absolutely right. They couldn't have done it. But it seemed to me that they were setting us up for something. I thought they were setting us up too, Brock. I thought they were going to bring in some Karate Kid 2 here. And you're going to find out that Han's wife was, you know, originally with, I think he's Master Lee is his name in the film, the John Kreese character. I thought there was going to be some love triangle because there's that scene when they, they originally approach. I don't even know what they're kung fu team is called i'm gonna call them the cobra kais because that's what they're equivalent to <laughs> when he when they go into the dojo and to you know address him about you know beating up dre master lee like grabs han like he mm-hmm. knows him when he's talking to him and i like felt some tension i'm like they're gonna you know spin off maybe do some uh karate kid 2 development here maybe they they have a love triangle going on or something i thought they're gonna br- bring something in it looked like they're building up to something but doesn't go anywhere. I will agree. I thought they'd have a history together. I I thought that maybe they'd trained together or something because when they walk in, I'm like, I, I bet these two guys know each other. They didn't do that. I honestly thought the two of them might go at it when he's like, you come in here, one of you fights. I honestly thought that maybe they'd have the fight there. Mm. I, I do agree that they needed to, again, do something, but they ended it exactly where they ended the last movie, which is the right note for the story they're telling to end on. Yes. 
Yes. Perhaps it would have been better to put that in there somewhere because we want it. We want it so bad. <laughs> I, I guess I'll have to go get Drunken Master in order to get my Jackie Chan does some real kung fu fix. Well, now you're yes. going to have to watch uh, the first 10 minutes of Karate Kid 2012 <laughs> to get that resolution. So Yeah. Right. You know, one of the disagreements or, or debates we had with the first Karate Kid was the ending. Did you buy it? Arnie, I know you had problems. You didn't, you felt the turn from Johnny was a little too quick, that he came to Daniel's side a little too fast. And I felt, you know, you got all these clues that the Cobra Kai's were turning against Kreese as the tournament went on. Okay, the end of this film, you have all the equivalents of the Cobra Kai's bowing to Han. And I'm like, what the hell? I never saw them turning on their master. It was way too much and way too forced here. In this movie, I did not buy that turn by the the quote-unquote bad guys, uh, the, the bad kung fu people. Wow, this is so ironic because I oh, so no. went with it. And let me oh, tell my. you why. It's because it's they talk so much about honor in this movie, and Dre fought with honor, and they couldn't not respect that. And they didn't, you know, go, you're all right, LaRusso. You know, I didn't buy the line. I don't think, that, you know, they end Karate Kid 1 as if these guys are going to go out and have a beer after or something. <laughs> exactly. And they ended this one on the right note. We will respect you. And that was it. And I went with that. I'm a hundred percent with Arnie on this. I completely. Oh man! For the exact same reason you just said, it was the honor thing when the kid beat the leg and uh, kept on hurting that leg. Can't believe it was the leg again. I well, but this time it was break the leg, not just sweep it. They up the yeah. Twenty ten. The the I thought what about all this stuff about honor? That's a very unhonorable thing to do and an unhonorable way to do it. And this kid did it. And I was like, where is this kid's father coming from the stands, taking him away by the ear saying, well, what the heck was that? And I, I felt that was really weird considering the little honor stuff we got here and there. But that was my problem the whole time. They, they talk a little bit about honor, but it was never a big theme here. And none of them acted honorable during the fight. And they're like, well, this guy did. So we got to respect, like, do they buy into that whole honor thing? It didn't look like it to me. So why are they going to respect the honor at the end? Like, that's what that's why I had a problem with if honor was more of a theme. And yeah, they drop it here and there, but it, it wasn't a strong enough theme for me to buy that ending because of honor. Yes, they should have added 10 more minutes into the movie and had more about honor. <laughs> well, that's why I asked you at the beginning of this podcast, Jacob, about the differences between Chinese and Japanese honor stuff, because here at the end, it seemed to work for me anyway, because it's an honor thing. But I wasn't really the honor thing wasn't strong enough in this movie and that's why i was confused and now we've come full circle <laughs> yeah i mean for them to really regain their honor they would have had to turn on their sensei and like break his leg that would be the <laughs> only way for them to regain their honor after going like totally psycho during this tournament the whole time but now we know that that sensei is going to lose his dojo and become a drunken mess and turn to some communist toxic waste dumper to get their revenge. No, he's, he's <laughs> going to join up with BP, whoever the head of BP is. He's going to join up with them. And I have a question for you both because they did break the leg. They didn't do wax on wax off into the jacket. They didn't do the crane kick, really. They just had him on his foot. The iconic things from the original Karate Kid, it seemed like they were toxic here. They didn't want to do any of that at all, yet they want to do the same story. And the same lines, the hurt him. I can beat him. I mean, it was, it's line for line. Some of the subtitles are exactly the same as if I'm just watching my Karate Kid DVD with subtitles. Then why not do Crane Kick, Wax On, Wax Off? Why because not do- you're looking for that. Okay, then- Also, it's Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah, yeah ah, that okay. too. Okay, then it's Kung Fu. But, no, but I, here's the other thing. Did, did you guys see that, that awful Tim Burton remake of Planet of the Apes? Yes. It haunts me to this day. <laughs> okay, have you seen the original? 
I okay, love there's it. no way. That has such a great ending. They can't just redo that. They had to come up with something new to surprise you. Because you're ex- I'm not going to say what the ending of Planet of the, the original Planet of the Apes is because it's a fantastic movie. You guys should go see it. They they couldn't just repeat that. There's no way to get that shock. So they came up with that awful like monkey Abraham Lincoln memorial. <laughs> it, it made no sense. You spoil that movie just fine. That, you shouldn't see that movie. It's awful. See All the original. Right. What, anyway, what I'm saying is they, they had to throw on some ending, but it doesn't make any sense. They, they wanted to change it because part of the great thing about Planet of the Apes is that big twist ending. Part of the great thing about Karate Kid is the twisting, taking them in, uh, you know, the chores and turning them into karate or martial arts, whatever, using the crane kick. We're expecting that, and this is a remake that you can't just use, you know, the same gimmicks. I, I understand using some of the same lines that bugged me, how much they just repeated stuff, but they had to do something new here. And, and the stuff that they did do new, I, I didn't like. I didn't like it either. And I'm thinking they do so much repeat stuff. At that point, why not do more of the stuff we do like? If you're going to remake it and so closely, then I was thinking eventually they could do a wax on, wax off something. But Brock, this is a sequel. And in every sequel, you've got to have something new. And as we've talked about, in each freaking movie, there's been a new power move. That's, that's movie's trademark move. We had the crane kick. This is not a sequel, Arnie. It is a sequel. No matter how much you want to count it, it's the next movie in the franchise. It's a sequel. Yeah, this, this could have happened in the same universe that Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita live in. You don't think I this mean, is a reboot? We talked about reboots, remakes, sequels. This seems like a re- reboot to me, which therefore does not count. The same. Every reboot is still a freaking sequel, though. You know, it's still the next movie in the franchise. Just because you jettison the story doesn't make it not a sequel. I didn't think of this movie as a sequel. I thought it was just a retelling, a reboot. Well, it's the next movie in the franchise. You had to have a new move, and it wasn't going to be the crane kick again. I never expected the crane kick. Look at the poster. I expected him to kick the kid in the face because the poster yeah. He spent is... so much time trying to kick that bell. Yeah, I really <laughs> yeah. thought that was going to be the move. I never That's, expected the crane. The Instead, he does this weird backflip on one leg. They straight up did Karate Kid 3. In Karate Kid 3, Daniel does the kata... It throws Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes off, so he's just kind of standing there and confused. And then Daniel just punches him, totally unrelated to the Kata. Here, they build up this Cobra move. The, when they go to this ancient dragon temple, whatever Chinese cliche you want to use, <laughs> Dre watches uh, this female martial artist. She's standing out on this ledge, and she's she's kind of in the crane position. So I thought that's how they were going to tie the crane kick in here. She's kind of in that crane kick position. And she's got a cobra in front of her. And you learn that, you know, first Ray thinks that she's copying the cobra's moves. But then you learn that the cobra is actually copying the way she's moving. And so you get to this final fight and Ray starts doing that. He twists his head and then Chang does the same thing and, and starts copying him. And then he goes into this backflip kick that's totally unrelated. They totally did Karate Kid 3 here, which if you're going to repeat any of the movies, why are you heralding back to Karate Kid 3? Well, at least Dre wasn't happy about the mac and cheese. But, <laughs> you know, the, I agree as I thought that the snake would be the thing. Like when they start fighting, they'd be copying each other's moves and then Jaden would win. And instead, this Mortal Kombat, <laughs> impossible <laughs> due to human physics, kick occurs. Finish him. Seriously, it was because he has to jump off the same leg and kick with the same leg, yes, right? Because yes. the other leg's almost broken. Yes. Yeah. And can with one leg you propel yourself? He went backwards, right? He did yes. a he did a, Yeah, that is impossible. You'd land on your face. You need two feet at the very minimum to get that kind of spring. Yeah. You're right. But it was um 
fun to watch, I guess. It was more extreme than the other ones. Yeah, it made me slap my forehead. It was it was the sourest note of the whole film was that CGI kick. Yeah, the audience I was in, I already mentioned your audience, mine was 95% full, a lot of families, a lot of kids with their parents. Uh, when he did that kick, the place exploded, and I'm like, really? <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about the very last thing here. You know, after the big kick, you think the movie's over, right? Except now we get the Jaden Smith-Justin Bieber duet, and I realize I'm really in the wrong theater. That, that was them? I had no idea who was singing the song. I was just watching the pictures of the behind-the-scenes pictures. Yeah, you see, you're, you are neither a teenager nor the parents of a teenager, and sure. so therefore you're mercifully escaping Twilight Mania and Justin Bieber Mania. And how are you not? <laughs> I only know Justin Bieber because he was on SNL. I had never heard of him before. But yeah. seriously, really, Will Smith, you're going to lay out such a career for your son. You're also going to make him rap like you. I, I don't get why you're so hard on, on Will Smith doing this for his son. I get that it's kind of obvious and nepotism-ish, but I, I just don't see what the big issue is. I mean, yeah, it's completely obvious. I don't think any of us uh, don't realize what's going on here. But this Little kids has- don't, and that, those are the ones that are going to get sucked in by it. And, and I think and, that that's where I would be angry as a parent and as an as an adult, someone trying to manipulate my kids that way. I, I didn't even stay for the credits. I'm like, this movie's gone so long, I want out of the theater. So I didn't <laughs> even know there was a Justin Bieber, Jaden Smith duet at the end. I did like the James Horner score while we're talking about music, though. I thought it was really good. I, I thought that it played well. I really liked the crescendo when they climbed the wall. I, I liked that score quite a bit. It was, you know, as far as kung fu movies go, this was up there with the theme to Dragon. You mean the Bruce Lee story? Yeah, that's got like one of those scores you've heard it in every trailer ever. Yeah, yeah. I can't knock James Horner, the guy's... James Warner. Well, didn't he do Titanic and and well, and Avatar? Yeah. yeah, I can knock James Horner. He just did good here. <laughs> so, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend The Karate Kid? Jacob. Look, you could go to Walmart, buy the original Karate Kid for five bucks on DVD, go home and watch that with your family. It's a cheaper experience. It's a shorter experience. You're going <laughs> to save 20 minutes. It's just, why watch this when there's something totally superior to it? That's the same story that delves into the themes deeper, that has more of an emotional impact. That's just better storytelling. There was definite opportunities here. I don't know if this could have been better than the original because I think the original is pretty much as close as you come to a perfect movie. But I think this could have been a recommend movie and they could have done some stuff commenting on China, commenting on, you know, America kind of losing its place as the superpower in the world. You could have really delved into some of those kind of themes. This wastes all those new opportunities telling the story, you know, 30 years later, you lose all those opportunities that it had to really set itself apart. You know, there's only one scene that really it shows how times have changed. You know, you remember back in The Karate Kid on the beach, there's the whole scene with the boombox and they're turning the boombox on and off. And there's a similar scene in here, but instead of a boombox, they're playing MP3s on a cell phone. (laughs) <laughs> like, I like that. Like, that was really cool how they there was a throwback to the original, but they're showing how times have changed. I wanted more of that. I wanted to like this. I went into this with positive feelings. 
And it's just when you have the Karate Kid 1984, why spend the time or money to go see this one? You know what? If you want to see Jackie Chan do something dramatic, then I'm gonna, I would say I would recommend this movie for that, that you do get to see Jackie Chan do something different. If you're a huge Jackie fan, Chan, I think you should see this just to see his range of acting and, and how far he's really come. But for, for the general audience out there, no, I do not recommend The Karate Kid 2010. Arnie. I do recommend this movie, but it, it's coming just to the right of recommend. You know, it's th- and the reason I'm recommending, I, I can't disagree with anything Jacob said, though. The first movie is superior or equal in every way to this movie. There's a few things this movie did really right, like the a couple of the updates for modern times. And I think Jackie Chan without Jackie Chan in this movie, if you'd replaced him with somebody else, I don't think anybody could have portrayed it well enough to still get a recommend. But yeah, the original's far better. And the big reason is, Brock, I'm going to quote you back to you in my summary. This movie has no soul. This movie is a production line factory. You know, it, it came off the same production line in China where Dre's mom worked. <laughs> and... It came out that way because Will Smith wants a starring vehicle for his kid, and so they're making this movie, and it's got all the slickness, it's beautifully shot, it's really well made, but it's a factory production with no soul. It is heartless. I say watch the original, but this one, you know what, if it brings the Karate Kid to a new audience, it's still got a lot of the sweetness just by mimicking the original that the original had. But, you know, you can go buy yourself some art at Walmart or you can buy an original piece of art to hang on your wall. Which do you want? They may both look the same. This is the soulless duplicate that Will Smith hath brought. And I, too, have trouble disagreeing with what Jacob said. Uh, And I have no problem agreeing with what Arnie just said because he quoted me back to me. I I just (laughs) feel that this movie does feel empty. But there's a lot of the same stuff going on here from the original movie. It's amazing how you can remake something so closely, yet not remake it at all. And so it's a very interesting exercise in that sort of uh, remake. I do recommend this barely barely because there is a lot of good here it is a movie you could take your kids to see this summer uh, as jacob and i have talked about earlier in this podcast not for the younger younger ones but certainly for the eight nine tens definitely you can take this movie because you can go see this movie with them and not have to worry about being completely bored like i would assume you would be say watching the squeakquel it's not the family film that the original movie is it's more of a kid's movie in my opinion but i do think as a kid's movie there's a lot of stuff here that's good, and there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is good. It is gorgeous to see China. I love some of the stuff we see. It was wonderful for them to shoot on location. It just, just makes it really great, and there's a lot of stuff in this remake that is good. Uh, unfortunately, it is not as strong a film as the original, and I do, again, highly recommend you go and rent the original Karate Kid and watch it with your family. After you watch this one or before you watch this one, but either way, if you do see this movie – you got to show the kids the original because there's so much more there and they will get something out of that. So if you enjoy this podcast and if you enjoy this entire Karate Kid retrospective series, let's hear it, folks. Please go to iTunes and leave us a positive review. You can also discuss this review and other reviews in this Karate Kid series on our forums. And a link can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com where you can also find in our archive section 
all the other retrospective series we have done. We've done Back to the Future, Terminator, Star Trek, some horror movies. All of those can be found in the archive sections at nowplayingpodcast.com. You can hear our thoughts on lots of other movies we're seeing this summer by going to our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at nowplayingpod, where you could have, if you were actually already following us on Twitter, you would have heard what Arnie's audience was like in his movie theater experience yesterday when he saw this movie because he typed right there from the theater so definitely check us out it's now playing pod on twitter and we're looking forward to our next retrospective series which is a little bit different than karate kid but certainly starts off with an iconic 80s movie that's a lead-in for arnie to say something cool about (laughs) predator that's right we are going into the jungle out of china and into central america for predator Predator. And then the urban jungle with Danny Glover for Predator 2. Predator. I'm looking forward to listening to your Predator because I want to learn how to become a sexual Trianosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you all have time to bleed and listen to that great retrospective series. It would be me, Stuart, and Arnie on that one. And that starts up next week, Arnie? Yes, it does, Johnny. <laughs> it, you are correct, sir. Back to you there, Brock. And don't forget, we're also going to be at Comic-Con, right, Jacob? That's right. At the Art House. At 7 p.m. on Saturday. Drinking alcohol. We're going to have a special podcast. We're not going to tell you what movie it is. You got to come and have a beer with us to find out even what movie we're going to review. You're going to want to hear this one. Come to the Art House, 7 o'clock, down to the bar on Saturday, San Diego Comic-Con. If you go to San Diego Comic-Con, you'll know where the Art House is. It's very close, walking distance. Come on by, have a drink, get a podcast. It's an exclusive, kids. Well, that's it for the Karate Kid, and we will talk to you next time on Now Playing. Very good job. Go home, get rest. Come morning, start early, six o'clock. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the now playing Karate Kid Retrospective. You're too much TV. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new podcast from now until the release of the new Karate Kid film on June 11th. I think you talk too much. I think you're not concentrated enough. That's all work to be done. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or recommend us to your friends. After. After what? After, after. You can follow Now Playing on Twitter or Facebook or in the Now Playing forums. Links to these pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Oh man, he's had enough! All the side when he's had enough, man! Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. The Karate Kid Films is copyright and trademark Columbia Pictures, and no infringement is intended.
And but this is the kind of kids movie that a parent can take a kid to and not be bored for two hours and twenty minutes. Oh. There's something there for the parents to sit there and they. It's better than watching the Sandlot or whatever movie. Pick one. I don't know. I like I just, the Sandlot. I'd rather I haven't watch seen the Sandlot. The Sandlot. <laughs> I haven't seen the Sandlot. I, I was oh, a man. bad pick. I, I haven't seen it. But Jacob, that, everyone knows the ending of the original Planet of the Apes because of Spaceballs, dude. Everybody knows that. But um, if you haven't but, seen Planet of the Apes, you don't. You don't. You don't. I didn't get Spaceballs when it See? first came out. There yeah. you go. Where wow. do you guys go to these movies that you have these emotional audiences? I, I feel like I'm seeing my movies in a monastery. We never laugh. We never <laughs> applaud. We sit in silence and enjoy our movie, and then we quietly go home. That, that's sad. The movie's supposed to be a communal experience. That, that yeah. makes me feel sad. sad. As long as it's not kids crying or people on their cell phones, I don't mind audience participation. I had both <laughs> in this movie. I was oh. <laughs> I had the kid next to me. He fell asleep, and he was curling up to my arm. And his father had already had a kid in his lap who was also bored. She was four. The kid next to me was like six or seven, sleeping on me. It was really kind of funny. Um, Uncomfortable. Did you put your hand on his back? I I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of harkened back to the the wife and child I no longer have. Um, No, I I did not. I looked at the father. He looked at me. We started laughing, and he, he pulled the kid up and said, what are you doing? You can't do that. You don't know him. It was really, it was really kind of funny. He's uh, a guy alone in a kid's movie. He's weird. I was going to say that before. It's like I walked into this movie and I'm the only guy with, I had a backpack on because I want to bring my notebook in and all that, right? And some razonets. <laughs> and I'm walking there all by myself and I'm like, oh my God, I look like such a pedophile. I, I feel I horrible. I made Marjorie go with me, even though I didn't even think of that going by myself. <laughs> I, I was like, I put a hat on, I left the house, and I realized if I go in there with a ball cap, I am going to look even worse. So I threw the hat in the car, <laughs> and I went in, and I, and, I, and I paired myself up. There's a woman in front of me with her son and her son's friend, and I, it looked like I was with them when I <laughs> got in the theater. <laughs> so it was okay. I love that you said Jackie Fan Chan. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan Fan. There. there you go. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> <laughs>